we like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for December 7th, 2014. And uh, today we are going to just be doing more of a standard current event uh, and Bible study covering a lot of different subjects. We're going to start out talking about the um, what's happened recently with legalizing the illegal alien horde uh, in America and what's, what that is going to mean and how that's going to play out in the coming um, months in particular. So the first report is entitled, Obamacare offers firms $3,000 incentive to hire illegal aliens over native-born workers. Under the president's new amnesty, businesses will have a $3,000 per employee incentive to hire illegal immigrants over native-born workers because of a pre-planned, and I I put in pre-planned quirk of Obamacare. Oh, it was just something that, you know, gee whiz, we we just had this happen, and, and it just... Just kind of worked out that way. No, it's all by design. Every bit of it. President Obama's temporary amnesty, which lasts three years and will obviously end up up becoming um, permanent amnesty, declares up to 5 million illegal immigrants to be lawfully in the country and eligible for work permits, but it still deems them ineligible for public benefits, such as buying insurance on Obama's health care exchanges. Like, that's some kind of perk anyway. Forcing you to buy health care insurance? Exorbitantly that's going up, you know, doubling, tripling, you know, in the year? That's, That's not any kind of benefit. That's all that is, is a ball and chain. And again, just one more way to systematically destroy, you know, the middle class. Under the Affordable Health Care Act, that means businesses who hire them won't have to pay a penalty for not providing them health coverage, making them $3,000 per employee more attractive than a similar native-born worker who's here legally. Okay, so again, if you're here legally, if you were born here legally, and you've went by the rules, and you've done all, and paid all your IRS tax, and done all the things, right things, and maybe even gotten a college degree. We're going to talk more about the college degree thing later. You are the main target. You are the enemy. You are the bad guy. We're going to reward criminal behavior. Because that's what illegal aliens are, the criminals. They're here criminally. Well, that's really harsh. Okay. You go to Mexico and see how it works out for you if you try to go there illegally. You'll be in jail because you're a criminal. Well, that try it in any other state. The same thing, or any other country, basically, and the same thing will happen. Most, most likely, it's criminal behavior. But in America, we reward criminal behavior. We reward wickedness. You know? That's what's rewarded. That's, you know, calling good evil and evil good. That's the norm in this brave new Orwellian world we're moving into. The loophole was confirmed by congressional aides and drew condemnation from those who said it put illegal immigrants ahead of Americans in the job market. 
if it is true that the president's actions give employers a $3,000 incentive to hire those who came here illegally, he has just added insult to injury, said Representative Lamar Smith of Texas. The president's actions would have just moved those who came here illegally to the front of the line. Exactly. They're at the front of the line. If you're here, you've done all those things that you were supposedly supposed to do, that I mentioned earlier, just a portion of them, and you're still out of work, or you're in debt up to your eyeballs, maybe student loans and things of this nature, can't find a job, got maybe a degree or two, can't find a job. Well, you're the, you're the, you're the bad guy. The illegal aliens are the good guys. They're the ones that deserve the jobs. They're the ones that deserve all the breaks and the subsidies and the, these types of things. You need to be eliminated. We need to get you into that ultra-poor class so that there is no middle class and it's just ultra-rich and ultra-poor, just like the Hunger Games. That's the society that Satan wants for the world. A ruling elite over the serfdom slave class. And this is why all of this is happening, to aggressively bring us into that. It's all by design, it's all pre-planned, and it's happening, you know, ever-increasingly every day. So, this representative said, the president's actions would have just moved those who came here illegally to the front of the line ahead of unemployed and underemployed Americans. A Department of Homeland Security official confirmed that the newly legalized immigrants won't have access to Obamacare, which opens up the loophole for employers looking to avoid the penalty. Hey, listen, the way that employers are trying to skimp and save money now, this is going to be a no-brainer. I mean, what they're typically doing is not hiring people full-time now, so that they don't have to, I think there's a certain number of hours you have to be working in order to, whatever, be eligible for all of these worker benefits and Obamacare and these types of things. Well, if they can keep everybody part-time, or keep as many people as possible part-time, well, that's what they're doing. So in order, but the problem is there for the worker is typically you're going to be making less money, um, you're not going to have any of the benefits that go along with full-time employment, these types of things. Well, that's what they're doing now, and I know they're doing it. No people in the workforce that, you know, and if they have a $3,000 incentive per employee, (laughs) that's a no-brainer for a corporation. I mean, they don't care anything about but the bottom line. So that's what that's what we're we're facing here. So what people are being forced to do is have multiple part time jobs, where they're getting no benefits and minimal pay, in order just to make ends meet. Because the the full time jobs, you know, obviously are are they're going to have as few of those as possible available, so that the you know these corporations don't have to worry about the the benefits and the Obamacare and, and and the things that go along with full-time employment. That's becoming the norm. And that's just one way that um, the middle class is being destroyed. Next report. It has just been discovered today that the Obama administration is now opening a new USCIS facility in Crystal City, Virginia, for the purpose of immediately implementing the president's imperial 
immigration decree. Senator Jeff Sessions said, well, see, we, what we have now is a total dictatorship, basically. It doesn't matter that, that, that the House and the Senate are now Republican-controlled and that there's a ton more um, governors that are now Republican. That doesn't seem to really matter, and we're going to get into that. I, I was hoping it might, you know, but so far, nothing. We're still going in the exact same direction. As far as I can see. So they've got a new facility in Crystal City, Virginia, for the purpose of immediately implementing the President's Imperial Immigration Decree. Uh, Senator Jeff Sessions then says they are in the process of hiring 1,000, 1,000, in just one place, full-time. See, they'll pay them full-time in order to get the illegal aliens in here. You get all the benefits, the government benefits, all the perks. As long as you're doing something wicked, we'll reward you. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's wicked to work in one of these places where you're where you're basically legalizing criminals that have come in. 1,000 full-time staff to quickly approve applications for the president's illegal amnesty, which will provide work permits, photo IDs, Social Security, and Medicare to illegal immigrants. All benefits rejected by the Congress. This action will mean that American workers, their sons, their daughters, their parents will now have have to compete directly for jobs, wages, and benefits with millions of illegal immigrants. So if you thought it was bad before, when they, when they weren't legalized, and maybe they couldn't quite compete for every job, just imagine what it's going to be like now when they legalize 5 million more illegal aliens. And they're, they're going to be not only on level footing, they're going to be going to the front of the line. They're going to be going ahead of you if you're competing for one of these jobs. There's a $3,000 incentive per illegal alien to hire them over you. Who do you think is going to get the job? All pre-planned, systematic destruction of the middle class in America. This is just total criminal behavior on dictator Obama's part. May the Lord Jesus Christ rain down his fury on him and all of his devil ilk. And all of his devil handlers. And the 13 families of the Illuminati and every wicked corrupt politician out there. That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God that they would wisely consider of God's doing and that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in Him and all the upright in heart would glory according to Psalm 64. Sessions said the creation of this facility is proof Obama doesn't care about Americans or U.S. laws. Well, that's just one of the many proofs of his absolute, total, dictatorial, criminal behavior. This facility is a clear symbol of the president's defiance of the American people, their laws, and their constitution. Sessions said he is hiring federal employees to carry out a directive that violates the laws Congress has passed in order to foist on the nation's laws uh, Congress has repeatedly refused to pass. To respond to this, Sessions said Congress must block federal dollars, any and all funding, whether it be from fees or tax dollars or other revenue, as the Congressional Research Service says, it is within Congress's power to implement the executive amnesty. Well, I gotta believe there's probably a fat chance of that happening. 
at this point. Okay, so continuing on, this is just kind of like rapid-fire bullet point current events to bolster what we're saying. Washington Post just said the president's unilateral action to legalize the nearly 4 million, it's, it's debatable, 4 to 5 million illegal aliens has no precedent. Has no precedent. Full di- di- dictatorship is what we're talking about. Um, and then the next report, Senator Jeff Sessions suggested that House Republicans are on the verge of breaking their campaign promise to fight President Obama's administrative amnesty, judging by the legislative text currently being circulated. Well, didn't, didn't I mean, aren't we dealing now with... Um, it's just these election cycles, you know? I mean, they're such a joke. Sessions said the proposed language fails to meet the test established by Republican National Committee Chairman Reince Priebus, who promised earlier this year that the GOP would do everything possible to thwart Obama's executive orders. The executive amnesty language is substantially weaker than the language the House adopted this summer and does not reject the central tenets of the President's plan, such as work permits, Social Security, Medicare to 5 million illegal immigrants, which will, and I put in by design, reduce wages, jobs, and benefits for legal Americans. Sessions said in the statement expressing his dissatisfaction with the results of a House Republican conference meeting today. Next report, five months ago, conservatives were so livid over President Obama's upcoming quote, executive amnesty, that incoming House Majority Whip, Steve Scalese, couldn't bring himself to rule out impeaching the president as punishment. Heard a lot about this over the years. Oh, he's going to get impeached. Yeah, right. It never happens. Why? Because they're all on the same wicked team. They're two sides of the same wicked coin. One's just more wickedly aggressive, while the other one just kind of sits back and let lets the Democrats do whatever they want. Pretty much that's the way I see it anymore. Some moral victories now and then, but for the most part, the Republicans aren't doing anything to block a lot of this, the, the wickedness that Obama and the Democrats are actively pursuing. It's all symbolic. It's all, oh, we tried, uh, you know, the quivering bowls of jello collectively backbones of toothpicks. But again, it's 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 pie design, so they're all on the same team, and it's just they have to try to present some facade of, of resistance is the way it pretty much seems to be working out. Now even Firebrand Representative Steve King and Senator Jeff Sessions, um, Obama's chief immigration foes have ruled that out, meaning impeachment of Obama. GOP leaders were never seriously considering the idea. They've successfully tamped down any talk of it. Oh, well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. The most criminal president we've ever had by far. We don't wait. We, we're not going to seriously pursue impeachment. He's a, deep down, he's a good guy. He's just a devil from the, from the pit of hell. The lowest dirge rift of hell. You know, where he hangs out with, like, Belial and Osmodius and every devil that you could possibly think of. Beelzebub, 
Lord of the Flies. But we're we're not going to impeach him. I mean, deep down, he's a good guy. You know, he means well. What's more, Republicans may be on the brink of avoiding a government shutdown fight at least until March, effectively permitting the executive actions by Emperor Obama with no pushback other than a symbolic vote of disapproval. All a joke. This wicked, evil, corrupt government. Next report. Immigration reform champion Representative Luis Gutierrez on Tuesday urged, urged undocumented illegal aliens to take quick advantage of Obama's executive actions, giving them temporary legal status. And again, temporary is a joke. Speaking in both English and Spanish, he urged those, because, you know, half of them, most of them can't speak English, you know, uh, he urged those eligible for the new program to also get their paperwork ready for legal status. So he's just encouraging more criminal behavior. When that door opens, we should have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, with their documents ready to submit them. The traitorous Gutierrez said at a Capitol Hill press conference, while Republicans are complaining and bellyaching, we're going to act. Act on Satan's behalf, yes, true. And remind me some of some Bible verses. Daniel 12.9 says, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the end of time. Which is basically the time we're living in. The, the book of Daniel and, and the book of Revelation a lot of those, a lot of the words of those books wouldn't have made sense even a few hundred years ago, or even a couple, or even a hundred, to a lot of people reading them. So these, these words are sealed up to the end of time, where they're being unsealed, basically in the day and time we're living in. And many shall be purified and made white and tried. That's the body of Christ. They're going to be purified, they're going to be tried. You're tried through fire. Okay? Through persecution and things of this nature. Um, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. See, these, this is just the wicked doing wickedly. All of the stuff that I'm talking about, it's just playing out right before our eyes. In the end times, which is what they're talking about, the book being sealed, books being sealed up to the end, time of the end, well, this is the time we're in. The wicked doing wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. The wicked think, uh, I, I really believe for the most part, they think that they're doing good in their own perverse, wicked, evil way. Whether that good is serving Satan, overtly, or whether they just think that they're on the side of um, moral righteousness in their own warped, corrupted, deluded, perverted mindset. Psalm 7, 9 says, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. Wouldn't you like to see that play out? Why can't you pray it? We can pray it. When God judges wickedness, good things always happen in the Bible. Every time. Every time. There's no, I see no problem praying for letting the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. So only if there was any chance for a wicked person to get saved, it's not going to be if they continue on in wickedness. If a wicked person just continues to get away with being wicked their whole life, there is almost zero chance of them ever being saved. 
Because godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. It's one of the things that leadeth to repentance. In other words, unless God chastens you and judges a person in some way, shape, or form, typically they're not going to get saved. Sometimes that may be just a person being humbled to where they realize, you know what, if I die, I go to hell. Sometimes it may be years of breaking a person down, like my parents, for instance, stripping them of everything that they had, everything financially, everything that they had built, everything that they had put faith in, in order to finally get them to the point on their deathbeds where they were able to finally get saved. In other words, it took years and years of humbling a person up until the point right before they died, before they would finally get saved. Sometimes it takes that much. Sometimes it doesn't. So, oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and the reins. Yes, establish the just God. Wouldn't you like to see that more? The just being established instead of the wicked being... And I understand, we're, we're not moving into a time where there's a lot of Bible for that. Doesn't mean that we can't pray, though, for those things. Big reason that it's not happening is because I really believe a very small percentage of the body of Christ even prays in that form, in that way. I mean, I mean 501c3 church isn't going to really go into stuff like this. You know, for the most part. Psalm 7.11 says, God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. So this makes God mad too. All of this garbage, um, just like that we were looking at here. Next report, about two dozen U.S. mayors will be meeting next week to lay the groundwork for putting in place President Obama's executive action on immigration. So everybody's getting on the bandwagon. Everybody's just, you know, chomping at the bit, getting ready for this. A lot of people, you know, higher up in the, in the both state, local, and, you know, federal governments. The mayors of Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Atlanta, Baltimore, and Philadelphia, among others, have formed a coalition entitled Cities United for Immigration Action. Should be Cities United for Criminal Illegal Alien Legalization Action. They, they need to change the name so it's accurate, but anyway. And they will hold a summit in New York City on Sunday and Monday. Our cities recognize and celebrate the contributions of immigrants to our nation. Listen, I don't have a problem with legal people, but separate the two. This illegal alien horde, as I'm showing you, is nothing more than a tool to destroy this nation. One of the many, but one of the big ones. And these fork-tongued devils have the audacity to say they're celebrating the contributions of these illegal aliens to our nation and welcoming the immigrants into our communities. The Mayor's Coalition said in a statement, it also said the President's action on immigration will strengthen our cities. Oh, really? I'd like to see what these same cities are going to look like in even two to three years. With what I've just already said, with what I've just covered in the very first part. 
<laughs> Strengthen our cities. What a lie from the pit of hell. It will keep families together. Oh, why? Because they won't have to be deported now, I guess. Grow our economies. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's going to create an ultra-elite and an ultra-serfdom slave class. And foster additional community trust in law enforcement and government. What everything they're saying is a lie. What, they must have got their script straight from Satan. Or, or Obama, at least. Because everything comes out of his mouth a lie. Maybe he wrote this for them so that they could parrot it. They go on to say, we are ready. And together we're rolling up our sleeves to turn this policy into a better reality for millions of hard-working illegal aliens in the communities we serve. I put in the illegal aliens part, because they won't. The statement continued, while we continue to urge Congress to enact comprehensive and long-lasting reform, meaning legalize them forever and even give them more benefits, the President's action will help many illegal aliens gain the opportunities, skills, and status to reach their fullest potential. Remember what I said? They're going to the front of the line. $3,000 incentive per illegal alien to go to the front of the line. That right there is going to put them ahead of, of just about everybody. They're going to have all the benefits, they're going to be supported by the government, and they're going to go to the front of the line. And it ends by saying the status to reach their fullest potential, which will help American cities prosper. Yeah, it's going to really help our legal indigenous American workforce prosper. No, it's going to cripple them. Do you know how many more people are going to end up going on government assistance and welfare? And and again, it's all by design. Get everybody dependent on Big Brother. So when they really drop the hammer, then, and they really devalue the the currency and the economy collapses and whatever else, pandemic, whatever else they're going to unleash, they're going to have the vast majority of the country. I think this is the plan. Totally dependent on the government. And you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you, right? That's what they're. That's what the plan is. A, a next report: A record percentage of Americans polled by Quinnipiac do not want illegal immigrants to have a path to citizenship and feel illegal immigrants should be deported. But what does Obamacare about that? Quinnipiac found that the support for pathway to citizenship is at its lowest level ever measured by the independent polling outfit, while the percentage of Americans who feel that illegal immigrants should be required to leave is higher than the number has ever been. People are finally... See, the more flagrant things get, the more people tend to wise up. The more in-your-face, well, you know, people are tending to wise up more. Next report. For the first time since Ulysses S. Grant, the president... USA is not the leading economic power on the planet. This just happened. There's no easy way to say this, so I'll just say it. We're no longer number one. And I understand this is God's judgment. I get that. I do. I mean, I'm not saying that we don't deserve this collectively as a nation, for as ungodly as America has become. I I get that. 
you know. But again, I think it's worth reporting as well when we see this. So it says, we're no longer number one today. Today we're number two. Yes, it is official. The Chinese economy just overtook the United States economy to become the largest in the world. For the first time since Ulysses S. Grant was president, America is not the leading economic power on the planet. It just happened and almost nobody noticed. The international, because they're not going to announce that in the papers. They're just going to delude you and try to deceive you. And try to, you know, liars, numbers lie and liars figure. Figures lie and liars figure. They're just going to try to give, oh no, the economy's in in a a massive upturn. All lies, we're going to get into that. The International Monetary Fund recently released the latest numbers for the world economy. And when you measure national economic output in real, in terms of real goods and services, China will this year produce 17.6 trillion compared with 17.4 trillion for the USA. As recently as 2000, we produced nearly three times as much as the Chinese. Three times! Again, that's another big way they're absolutely annihilating our middle class in this country. And even the lower class. Not, I'm, not, I'm not acting like they don't count. What I'm trying to say is they're trying to get everybody into the ultra-lower class. So the people in the middle class that were hiring a lot of the people in the lower class, they're not there anymore to do any more hiring. It's all big mega conglomerations like Walmart bringing in all of their slave-produced Chinese slave labor goods, ultra-cheap goods, to decimate any competition in America. Who can compete with that? Again, and this is all being done by design. This is one more integral way they're trying to take us out. To put the numbers slightly differently, China now accounts for 16.5% of global economy when measured in real purchasing power terms compared to 16.3% for the U.S. And as recently as 2000, we produced triple, and now they're ahead of us? We produced triple the amount of goods as China? Now they're ahead of us in 14 years? The latest economic earthquake follows the development last year when China surpassed the U.S. for the first time in terms of global trade. Okay, so continuing further along the same lines, these are just uh, headlines that were on Drudge this week. And I'm not even going to get into it. I'm just going to read you the the headlines. Um, basically, over 92 million Americans not working now. Over 92 million. Labor force participation remains at 36-year low. Now, remember, figures lie and liars figure. That's probably, you could probably go back to the Great Depression on this. 36-year, I don't, I don't even believe that. Close to 12 million have dropped out of the workforce since Obama took office. Again, he was put in place to accomplish all of these wicked, evil things we're seeing. Over 12 million have dropped out since Obama. And the media cheers for the uh, 321,000 new jobs that have been created. Yet, we've had over 12 million, about almost 12 million drop out since Obama. If we could even believe that. That's what they're willing to admit to. Who knows what it really is. But the media cheers for this tiny percentage of new jobs that are created. Can you imagine how bad it's going to be now? 
when you've got someone where there's a 3000 right off the bat incentive to hire them? <laughs> it's I can't even imagine what these numbers could be in a year. Next report. The US economy despite rosy characterizations by President Obama recently is still abysmal for far too many Americans who are still struggling to make ends meet, put food on the table and remain in their homes, a condition that will only worsen with the president's recent executive amnesty legalizing millions of illegal aliens. Some of the country's historically poor states, many of them in the South, have been especially hit hard. As a recent report from Kentucky points out, local station WKYT in Lexington says it, that not only has hunger remained a huge issue in the state, One food pantry says one in seven Kentuckians are receiving food assistance from any number of charities, but it is even a problem on the state's college campuses. Recently, two food pantries opened in a place you might not expect, a college campus. WKXYT found out the rising cost of getting an education is causing some college students to go hungry, the station's news team reported. Campus food banks are helping to feed students within days of opening. One such charity is God's Food Pantry Bank, and increasingly the establishment has seen its clientele rise. Here in Kentucky, God's Pantry Food Bank, food bank is currently reaching out to 190,000 unique individuals annually, annually in, 50, in the 50 countries that we serve. What's more, you can no longer stereotype those who are hungry. It is now a phenomenon in all walks of life which you would expect to see based on what we just covered. That includes institutions of higher learning, even the University of Kentucky, and as well as the Eastern Kentucky University in Richmond, or EKU. Rising tuition costs, also a worsening problem, coupled with fewer job opportunities. And again, what is it going to be like when this amnesty actually fully kicks in and you got 5 million more legally competing against you? Let's say you're in that situation, or let's say your children are, and there's a $3,000 incentive right off the bat to hire the illegal alien. (laughs) Not only that, but then there's more of an incentive to hire a minority, because they get preferential treatment as well. I mean, let's say you're not a minority, okay? I'm just saying, I'm I'm looking at all these things, and it's like, wow. (laughs) Talk about stacking the deck against legal, law-abiding citizens. They're doing everything they can do to do that. This has led... So the rising tuition costs, uh, also a worsening problem, we're going to talk about that in a minute, coupled with fewer job opportunities, has led to more and more students seeking out help to provide for their food needs. What happens is they make the large sum payment for tuition, room and board, and there's not much money left over for other essentials to be here. Dr. Mike Regal who is the Associate VP for Campus Life at EKU. Regal went on to say that studies are indicating that one in six students attending EKU have most likely gone hungry at some point. So in October, the Colonel Cupboard, another food bank, opened to try to lower the statistic. See, the government's only going to try to help put you in debt up to your eyeballs and help the illegals. So they take away more jobs and ship all of our jobs overseas and shut down our own factories and ship in all the slave labor goods from China 
I mean, and do everything that they can do to destroy the middle class, typically. That's what they're about. Now, I've mentioned this a lot in the past. I'm going to go ahead and play uh, about three different, no, four different little videos here. And it's, it's all in the college scam loan bubble. Which is what they're, which is what this is literally, the student loan thing is devolved into. And, um, I'm going to go ahead and play the first uh, one here. It's kind of a concise thing. It's about, I don't know, 14, 15 minutes. And it's going to give you, I've mentioned this a lot. I figured, you know, now's a good time to play some of this information so that my listeners are kind of aware of what I'm talking about when I mention this. Because this is all part of the the, the planned decimation uh, of the economy and the middle class. So, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and play that now. Okay, so uh, this is called the College Loan Bubble. Is college worth it? Now, this is different than the um, the uh, college uh, bubble that I've. Let's see here. Yeah, the college bubble. the The, the full documentary, the one that I've referenced in the past, I'm giving you a link to that. I'm going to play a little bit of that one. Okay, that one's like over an hour. Now, that one's a little bit dated. Okay, so the numbers that they're giving in the second one I'll be playing are not as accurate as this one that we're going to be hearing now. And um, uh, because this just gets worse every year. College tuition is going up about 8% across the board every year. Okay, so it's just an ever-increasing, gigantic ball and chain debt load that again is being imposed by design and um, the first video is a little more concise the second one is more of a full overall look and I'm just going to play a little bit of that one but without further ado let's go ahead and play this one first the college loan bubble is college worth it whether or not you should attend college is a controversial subject these days this is because the mantra of higher education we're exposed to says that attending college will make you a better and more successful person. This notion has been so ingrained in society that people who question it may be treated as outcasts. High school students are taught that in order to have a successful career, and thus success in life, they have to start with a college education. It is true that some students who do not pursue higher education later wish they had, but yet there are other people who went to college that look back and see their time at college as wasted years of their life. They either dropped out early or obtained a degree for which they have no use for in their current career. And again, before we go any further, I really have seen a lot of this. Just having my own daughter in a private Christian uh, school uh, for, you know, her whole, all of her schooling. And particularly when she got into high school, this unbelievable pressure that the teachers, that the principal, that the faculty start putting on the students regarding, well, where are you going to college? What are you doing to prepare? Where, okay, like it's the only option, like it's the only thing that any reputable, um, good Christian would do. I'm talking about this because we've, you know, Christian high schools and these types of things, not public. And, I I've, I don't know exactly. It's probably a similar thing 
in public schools to a certain extent. Um, really a ton of pressure in um, private. Probably even more so. And just how this is ingrained into their mindset and then how that I really believe it's not just from a monetary motivation but also from a uh, like a, you're not as good you're 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 um, inferior if you're not thinking in this way in this mindset don't you want to be like whatever you know don't you realize you need a degree to be a real whatever it's garbage it's total garbage. I'm not saying there's things you don't need degrees in, but I'm saying it's so out of hand now, and we're going to look at this, how it's out of hand. Now, I'm a doctor. I went to school for six years. I took a double full load my last four years, averaging 25 credit hours a semester. I'm still paying off my school loans. It's the only debt I have left. Still paying it off, which is really pathetic, but still am, and we're going to look at this, you know, uh, more. We're going to look at some uh, one professional, in particular a dentist, in the next video, where she's at. If you don't think this is a big problem, then you'll be shocked as we prove to you that college attendance is in a bubble. without college. I feel like I need a college degree in order to get jobs because it's hard to get a job with just ask them to follow. My dad's, you know, my dad's really set on the idea of college and I also want to go just to have a, a good career. And Rebecca Bradley planned to go to college to become a teacher. Just in Pennsylvania for state schools, a lot of them were 20, 23,000. I'm doing the math myself and I'm like, I don't know how I'd pay this on the teacher's salary. I have no idea how any of this would work. So Bradley abandoned her dream of a college degree and enrolled in beauty school. There's a huge disconnect between what colleges are teaching and what companies want in future hires. I mean, half of college graduates under the age of 25 don't have jobs or are underemployed. That's half. It's a million and a half kids who can't get jobs. Half. And again, that was at the time of this uh, particular thing that came out like uh, getting near two years ago. This report we're seeing and also, can you imagine again what it's going to be like when, you know, this amnesty thing kicks in fully, $3,000 per, they're all going to be legalized, they're all going to be moved to the front of the line, oh man, it's going, I mean, who knows what that percentage is going to go up to, 60, 70% by the age of 25 with a college degree not able to get a job? other than maybe flipping burgers? The perception of the need to attend college has been drastically increasing in recent decades. Today's generation of young adults sees the value of a degree differently than their grandparents did at the same age. And again, that's all by design to get everybody sucked into this scam or to get a disproportionate amount of people sucked into believing this. Half a century ago, 
college was not everyone's realistic aspiration. In 1970, according to the U.S. Census, over 60% of heads of households had no college education. Back then, there were many jobs that were available to get right out of high school. Only 26% of middle-class workers actually had a higher education. Today, 60% of jobs require a post-secondary education. In 1945, only 15-20% to of high school students went to college. This number increased to 40% by 1960. Under President Lyndon Johnson, the most comprehensive national legislation concerning higher education was enacted, the Higher Education Act of 1965. It gave broad federal assistance to both public and private colleges and individual students. Later, in 1979, we saw the establishment of the Department of Education. As government increased involvement over the years, we ended up in the situation today where the average cost for a public university, when adjusted for inflation, is more than doubled. Even though the cost is up dramatically, now a majority of high school graduates enroll in college. In fact, according to the National Center for Education Statistics, over two-thirds of high school graduates are starting college immediately after high school. For fiscal year 2013, one-third of the Department of Education's $65.7 billion budget was appropriated for Pell Grants for college students. This figure is eight and a half times the original Pell Grant allocation in 1980 of $2.6 billion. The climate of the college arena has definitely changed from decades past. We have both a massive increase in students and a massive increase in government grants and loan funding. Both these statistics translate into increased costs, and the increasing cost to attend an American university is massively outpacing the benefits of actually attending. Studies are showing that by this year, half of college graduates have jobs that require less than a bachelor's degree. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the number of college students working minimum wage jobs has doubled in just the last five years. It's probably safe to say that these young adults didn't go to college in order to advance their career with Walmart or McDonald's. However, these and similar jobs are the ones that have lowered the unemployment rate in recent years, giving the government something to tout as a pickup in the economy. Add to this the reality that the average student is graduating with $35,200 of total debt, according to CNN last year, and we have a definite recipe for unsustainability in college attendance. It was very common in the 1960s and 70s for men and women to pay their way through college on a part-time salary while renting a small apartment. They even graduated debt-free. They got the full benefits of a college degree without 10 years or more of loan payment debt hanging over their head. Today is obviously a different story. Today we have students borrowing tens of thousands of dollars to go to school and living with their parents while they study and remain there even as they pay off their student loan debt. In 1970, a University of Utah student spent about $390 a year on tuition. By 2014, this number has ballooned to $6,700. Even when adjusted for inflation, this means the cost of tuition has almost tripled. If the price of college remained the same as the inflation... And that's one of the cheaper places if you compare it to a lot of other colleges. You know, $6,700? I mean that's that's one of the you know far better prices than than you would you would pay at uh, 
huge number of other colleges out there. Tuition rate. Tuition per semester would only be $2,300. The average private school costs is $32,000 per year in 2013. According to the College Board's annual survey of colleges, $32,000, like I said, per year, private school, private college. $32,000. And again, the vast majority, so much of, I mean, I look back at it, my six years, and I look at actually what I ended up using out of that six years. Very, very small percentage of practical things. But again, it's to the college's favor to make you take classes that you will never use, make you get information that you will never need. Because why? They're making money. They're getting you in debt and they're making money. That's their ulterior motive, which is greed. Over the past 10 years, public in-state tuition for a two-year college is up 57%. A four-year is up 73%. And a similarly private in-state tuition for a four-year college is up by 55%. This increase in college tuition is outpacing income by 365% for public in-state tuition. I mean... Those statistics he just cited are absolutely incomprehensible. I mean, that, that, that's like, if that's not showing you that they are literally trying to destroy people as soon as they get out of high school and get them into debt bondage. Remember, the Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. Any debt is not biblical. Okay, I'm just saying, it's not. Mort, mortgages, which literally means mort, death, where we get the word mortuary, mortician, okay? Gauge contract, mortgage, okay? Means death contract. Any debt is not good. I don't care if you're financing your car. I don't care if you're... Well, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And so this is just one of the other ones. But there, it's, it's outstripping things. It's outpacing. I mean, it's so... It's just absolutely, insanely out of control. What's going on here with the, with the colleges and the debt? Household income has only increased 20% over the past 10 years, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Knowing these facts, we expect something in the mechanisms of today's institutions to break. During the financial disaster in 2008, college tuition still rose 5.7% across the board. In a free market, this would not make sense. Tuition would not rise when there is an absolute collapse in financial capital inside of the economy. In the same way the government caused the housing bubble and resulting crash, it is fueled and will be the cause of the upcoming great college bubble and crash. Nearly 15% of students are already defaulting on their loans. The official fiscal year 2010 three-year cohort default rate was 14.7%. And we can only expect that to be higher for the following years. No one but the government would guarantee a loan for anyone to go to college for any curriculum with little regards for the likelihood of an individual to repay the loan. The government gladly invests taxpayer dollars into students' grants and loans. This is what has been driving the increase in cost for college tuition, bringing it above and beyond the affordability of the average student and family. For teenagers, the propaganda is so potent that high school students in many cases have blind optimism that they will land their dream career after college and have the income to easily pay off any student loan balances they occurred along the way. 
some graduates are left with over $100,000 in debt and can barely find any job, let alone the one they pictured themselves getting into four years ago. And $100,000, that's conservative for some. We're going to take a look at that in a second. As a result of federal loan programs, in the current environment, colleges can raise prices, and no matter how rapid the increase is, the public will not feel the cost directly. They will, however, feel it indirectly as their tax dollars go to fund the federal loan programs. There is no incentive stopping government for paying more than a free market price until the people become overwhelmingly against the current student loan paradigm. The most probable outcome, as prices continue to increase, will be that the government raises student loan spending in the name of helping the disadvantaged, further compounding the problem. Like any other bubble, though, college tuition cannot rise indefinitely. Eventually, something will cause the great college bubble to pop. Outstanding student loan debt is over $1.2 trillion. This is nearly 50% higher than outstanding credit card debt. The longer the status quo is kept, the bigger the bubble is going to get, and thus the larger the crash will be. If tuitions continue to increase around 5% a year, in the coming years, student loan payments would get so high that it would be unmanageable, even for the students that get the dream job that they were told their degree would award them. Massive defaults will occur, and colleges will soon be worse off. Prices will need to be readjusted to maintain the maximum income when attendance levels crash. Professors would face pay cuts or layoffs, along with administration, maintenance, construction, and anyone else working for or at a college or university. For decades now, students are sacrificing their standard of living to go to college just to get burdened with ever-increasing debt. This burden is felt in the whole of society, as students live at home longer, get married later, and have less children than prior generations. Like what happened after the Federal Housing Administration was created, where standard mortgage terms went from 5 to 30 years, we expect the next step for colleges and government to be to extend the student loan length of terms. See, again, they, how it said that the average mortgage went from 5 to 30 years. Your average death contract, your mortgage. Now they're doing the same thing with the, with the school loans. Strapping it out longer, you're basically an indentured servant for life is what they want to create. A slave class that is indebted in school loans up to their eyeballs, mortgages up to their eyeballs, financing their cars up to their eyeballs, and everything else. And then credit card debt as well. That's what they want to create because a population like that is extremely easy to control. And the thing is, is with these federal school loans, you can't get out of them. Bankruptcies won't get you out of them. And I've even reported on how they've sent SWAT teams to these people that default on them. And people have been killed or injured and, and things like this when the SWAT teams kick in their front doors. Now, I'm not saying that's standard procedure, but they have done it. A typical college loan is now 10 years. Expect future loans for students to be increasing to 15, 20 an even 30-year term. And here's what they do. They front-load all the interest, so everything you're paying at the beginning is literally going on the interest on your school loan, pretty much. You're, it's, it's almost zero principal. And then you finally get to the point where your um, principal's, or your interest is paid off, and then you finally start eating away at the actual loan itself. You know, I learned that the hard way. So that's what they do. That's why it's always good if, you, if you're in this situation to 
pay a certain amount, pay your minimal amount, but then also maybe uh, there's a certain way you can do it where you pay an extra check and, and you tell them in the payment that you send in is you you tell them that you want this part applied directly to the principal where you're actually beating down the principal and not the interest because interest is just garbage. I mean, like in my case, I know I'm going to end up paying three to four times the, the actual loan amount that I actually borrowed. So this is standard. This is what they do. This is um, uh, how the banks get richer. Then, and on top of it, they create they create the money out of thin air. Anything federal, like the Federal Reserve, which prints money out of thin air with nothing backing it, no gold, no silver, it's a big counterfeiting printing press. So they can create their, their paper money and say, well, you owe us this, when they've actually created the money out of thin air. It's, it's beyond criminal, and it's beyond insane, and I've done many studies on that um, as well. Just key in how money is created on YouTube. You know, and I've done, I've given videos on, on that as well, the scam of, of that whole thing, and how that cannot continue forever either. ...for a four-year education. And remember, college loan debt is already one of the toughest to be forgiven in a bankruptcy. The cost of going to college will soon outweigh the... Toughest? It's impossible. Bankruptcies, at least um, from my knowledge, they don't, it won't get you out of, of that. Maybe there's certain exceptions now, but um, for the most part, they will not get you out of that. Benefits for the average American. The good news is the demand for cheaper, non-government subsidized education sources will spring up. They'll come from local communities and from the Internet, which in itself is a great example of how the free market creates solutions. You can pick any field, and the Internet can begin educating a person in just seconds, essentially free. Conventional thinking disregards the costs and alternatives to mainstream college education and continues to encourage students to take on horrendous amounts of college loan debt to get any degree. They think that having a piece of paper will ensure that you'll be successful when, as many recent graduates are finding out, it does not. Students are graduating without the skills needed to get a well-paying job and hence can't afford their student loan payments. The cost of this government-fueled bubble will be felt for decades to come. Government is holding the bag for an estimated $1 trillion in student loans. Default rates for two-year federal student loans by 2013 have already increased six years in a row. Since just 2004, the amount of dollars of student loans has quadrupled. With the default rate around 12%, there is over $100 billion in student loans in default. Due to the numerous exemptions, delays, and forbearances for all types of student loans, it's estimated that we've just begun to see the day of reckoning for the 08 and 09 graduating classes. We hope you've learned a lot from our video today. It's vitally important for you to seek alternative forms of education to educate yourself today. Don't follow the mainstream wisdom that has led millions of Americans into debt slavery. Instead, sign up for free at crushthestreet.com backslash college to get our exclusive report for which we lay out 10 ways for you to make extra income in this changing economy. So I scanned their site. I mean, it looks like they've got some, some good tips and points. Um, it's crushthestreet, one word, dot com. And um, 
I, again, I wasn't a thorough perusal, but it looked pretty good. I give you the link here to that crushthestreet.com forward slash college. And, uh, these could give you some, some good, um, uh, tips in regard to this. Now, the next one is the college bubble, the, the original college bubble scam documentary. And I'm just going to play a portion of it. Uh, and you're going to hear, this is a dentist. Uh, the, the lady looks to be, late 40s, early 50s, and she's in this position. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play this now. I was so pro-education. That's all I wanted in my life was an education. Okay, this is Dr. Pamela Bacon. She's bringing home the bacon and frying it up in a pan. Anyway, Dr. Pamela Bacon, DDF, she's a dentist, Okay. And, and, you know, I'd like to still be pro-education, but to put anybody through what I've been through, no. Really, in my case, the education, I think, really ruined my life. So, I mean, I would have been better off if I just would have gone to work at, you know, McDonald's or something, (laughs) actually. That is unbelievable. Because this is a debt I can never get over. You'll see why in a second. It's showing her, I think, her original balance, which was $207,894 on her school loans. The U.S. government created Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in order to make housing more affordable. But instead, their actions drove housing prices through the roof and made buying a house impossible for most Americans unless they took out no-money-down teaser loans with interest rates that substantially increased after a year or two. The U.S. government has been trying for decades to make college more affordable, but its actions have accomplished the complete opposite. Well, that, that's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. They've been trying for decades to get you into debt and to annihilate the middle class and to make sure you're in debt bondage from essentially, you know, <laughs> cradle to grave, which is where they really like to get it. Effect. College is now impossible for most students to afford without getting deeply into debt to do so. All across the country, Americans are graduating college with mortgages before they even buy a house. When I graduated from my undergraduate degree, I had $300 in student loans that I owed. Three hundred dollars. You know, you can you can hardly buy two cups of coffee and a and a, and a meal at the. This is Guy McPherson, professor emeritus at University of Arizona. In Union these days for three hundred bucks. So when I graduated with my undergraduate degree, uh, what what you got in exchange for your education was lifetime indenture and a new house. Right. So you got to buy the mortgage. That's what you got. You got your degree. You got out of school. You, you got a job, and therefore you bought a house because culture drives you to buy a house. So See, those were the good old days when you got out and you really weren't in any kind of college debt. You didn't, you know, that wasn't really what was getting you. It was, okay, now I, I'm driven by society to get into a mortgage, a mortgage, and there I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be slave to that. That's what I'll be slave to. But it, now it's like you're slave to the college bubble before you can even think about getting into a mortgage. You're in debt. You have to work. Now you have to be part of the, the wage slave economy for the next 20 or 30 years until the house is paid off. These days, 
College is the new house. And you don't even get the house. As soon as you get out of school, you're indentured for life. And again, none of this is biblical. If the Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender, how is any loan biblical? How is it justified biblically? Is what I'm saying. I'm just saying. I mean, if you think about it from that regard, it's like, hmm, well maybe God can make another way for me. Maybe, maybe this is something I need to do, really think through. If I'm doing something unbiblical in order to gain this career that I so desire, where I'm competing against people that are way more qualified, that might have way more experience, where now everybody's competing for the same job like rabid dogs, because you've got all these people with the same degrees out there competing for that one job, and I'm up to dead in my eyeballs... Hmm. Now, granted, if you were back in the 70s and you got out and you had no college debt, I got no problem with that at all. But if you have to, like, rob Peter in order to pay Paul and go into all this debt in order to supposedly get this devil college scam degree, and these colleges are about some of the most ungodly places you could be on the planet as well, a lot of people go off to college and absolutely get ruined morally because of all the ungodly garbage that goes on in college, how is any of that biblical? When you started taking out loans, what kind of debt did you end up getting into, and how much have you been able to pay off, and how much I, you still have? I, Okay, this is back to the dentist lady. I was, when I walked out of dental school, I was $136,000 in debt, um, and I have paid in close to 100000 right now, they say I owe three hundred thousand, uh, so I still have quite a bit, obviously, that I can't manage anymore. You see what I mean? She walked out with one hundred thirty-six. Now she's up to three hundred, and she's even paid into it a hundred thousand. I know the feeling. Of course, I'm not at that level. Uh, thank God, but I mean, I know the feeling. It, it, it's it's like, and you know, it's like, well, we say you owe this, and therefore you do. And we're the government, so shut up and pay what you're told, slave. Um, and I've done everything I can to try to manage it, but it becomes unmanageable at a certain point. One of the loans, the heel loan... Um, I remember those heel loans, and even back then, in my ungodly, unsaved state, I knew better than to ever take out a heel loan. They were the biggest scams going. Highest interest rates started, like, right then... I remember how bad those were. I remember my roommates, I'm pretty sure. They took... You had to be really, like... And this was back in, like, 92, 91. That was, like, a no-no. Don't try... Whatever you do, try to stay away from heel loans. And when she said that, I'm like, oh... Oh, no wonder. You know, because they're, they're the worst. At least at the time when I went through college, they were the worst. It was a um, health occupation loan, and when that defaulted, um, then it, I can no longer um, see Medicare or Medicaid patients, so it's, I'm very selective of where I can even work anymore, wow. because it's, it ties my hands. As I, if I wanted to go into, into... So instead of enabling the lady to work to pay off the, the, the slave masters, no, now, because you defaulted on this, even though you've already paid in a hundred grand, 
No, we're going to punish you even further and make it even harder and more impossible for you to pay this off because now you can't see uh, Medicaid patients and these other patients anymore because you've been a bad girl. Here or one of the free clinics or something, I couldn't. When I was first told this, I was told by my attorney that I would not get Medicare or Medicaid. I said, well, okay, you know what I mean? There's not much I can do. And for many years, that's what I believed because that's what he thought it meant. Well comes to find out that's not what it was at all. It was that I was not able to work on patients in Medicare. Wow. And so um, when I went to work for uh, this place that I'm working, um, I thought we were fine because we don't take them. Well, there happens to be some federal employees that now I can't see. I didn't even realize that. And so when the office manager, when we realized that the office manager sent a note to him and said, you know, what's the deal? And they said, well, she knows all about this. Hmm. No, I don't know about it, neither do the attorneys, and neither does anybody else. I mean, this these laws are so vague, it's just amazing. So now I have to watch who I see, um, and fortunately my employer has worked with me, or I would be out of a job, basically. Um, but they're very um, vague, and they keep you in the dark, uh, they don't really um, try to help you or figure any of this out, they don't work with you. I know there's the new income-based repayment, but... I don't fall into any of that, you know. So, I don't know. I just don't want to see it happen to anybody else. Right. That's there, my problem. There's no compassion. Right. There's no, no, help. no yeah. help, no compassion, nothing. They're just vultures. Back in the 1970s, the average college student was able to afford their college tuition without any student loans or help from their parents. They were able to pay for college by working a part-time job year-round or by simply working full-time during the summer when they were off from school. Not only that, but they were also able to afford their own car payments and possibly a small apartment. The U.S. government destroyed this by providing easy student loans to anybody who applied for them without any credit requirements. Over the past decade, any 18-year-old has had the ability to take out large student loans without even being asked if they have a job, what their high school grades were, what they intend to major in, or any other information that would help determine their future ability to pay back the loan. So I just wanted to play that part of, of that particular um, video there. Now we're going to, just this is just one girl that just posted on um, on the internet what she thinks about this. such a scam. It really is. So, you go to school, you go to, you go to college for four years trying to get, you know, some kind of degree because they say, hey, if you come to our school and you earn at least a bachelor's degree, you'll be able to make 50 million more dollars than the average high school diploma holder. You're a liar. Now, don't get me wrong. I really do believe that people should go to college. I mean, you should know, like, why the world war started. You should know, like, what really happened with the Civil War. But it's a proven fact. You learn all that up to middle school. And really, what a lot of happens after even 8th grade, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, is garbage. 
It's just that brainwashing period to get you into the next cycle of, of, of debt, essentially, that they're trying to brainwash you into thinking you have to have, which is the college thing. Okay? Now, I understand. Obviously, there's exceptions to this. And like they said back in the 70s, you could graduate, not be in any kind of college debt, you know, have enough for a small apartment, not be in all this debt. That, that was, that's fine. But today, that's not the case whatsoever. I mean, unless you've got parents with really deep pockets that are willing to foot the whole bill, which um, most of the time is not the case, obviously. But the whole college system and being able to find a job once you graduate is a complete joke. I've applied to seriously 75 different places, all for positions that I'm qualified to do, and every one of them has sent me back this nice little email saying, thank you for your interest, but we're going to consider other candidates. Why? Well, now we know why. I mean, can you imagine the $3,000 incentive on the illegal alien? Here's a, here's a, a, a lady who has a, a bachelor's, I mean, who, I mean, looks like she's really, you know, got it together to me. And she can't, she's applied to 75 different places. You gotta give her an A for effort, for tenacity. It's not like she's lazy. And she still can't get a job for anything she's qualified to do. Me, Taylor, you work with this one lady. What, she's got this thing in uh, biology? She just started? Retail clothing place. Okay, let's say that much. And she's got a degree in advanced biology. She was at the top of her class in um, the, the, you know how the 3D printers? Evidently they got them now where they can, I don't understand how this works, okay, at all. But 3D printing of organs, okay? I know you've probably heard of that in some of the most high-tech. She's got all this stuff, okay? She can't get a job anywhere. Anywhere. So she's working as an assistant manager at a retail clothing uh, a chain, okay, and um, drives a car that is just on the verge of absolutely breaking down, breaks down, trying to look for the cheapest place that she can possibly, she's got all of this, this education, this higher education, she can't get a job. That's become the norm. Something I said, when people with just a high school diploma can get a job over someone with college experience, something's not right with that. Well, again, the illegal aliens are at the front of the line. And now they're really going to be at the front of the line. To the tune of a $3,000 incentive in a lot of cases. I know that's not going to always apply to every job they're competing for. But it's really going to be appealing on these full-time jobs where Obamacare would be an option. Really going to be appealing. Do you guys, do you have any experience with this? Do you have any advice for me, like what I can do to maybe, I don't know, find some kind of job? McDonald's isn't sounding that bad anymore, which is sad. So incredibly sad. Go to school, though. Definitely go to school. <sighs> I, hopefully, I think she's at tongue-in-cheek there at the end. You know, I'm pretty sure it's it's pretty tongue-in-cheek uh, regarding that. Because, I mean, you know, there you go. There's just one 
another person that, um, you know, is being annihilated. So let's, um, let's play another little video clip here. Peter Schiff, finance, financial expert, um, Audio is not the greatest, but he's he's doing one of his seminars, and it, he mentions in here why I rent the home I live in. Now, here is a guy that's probably got enough money to buy mansions, yet he rents his own home. Okay. Made it, make it cheaper, and in fact, the government made it a lot more expensive. And every time the government interferes, they do damage. Just like with like I said with the housing. They said we want to make housing affordable. We want more people to be able to afford to buy houses than what the market would naturally allow. And look- By virtue of you having to take a mortgage out, that shows that you can't afford that house. Okay? More affordable? What? what a more affordable death contract? A more affordable mortgage? But hold on. You, you can't afford to buy the house. So how is it more affordable? Well, if you get in debt up to your eyeballs and get enslaved to the to the bankers, well, then you can get it. Because that's what society drives you to do. It's garbage. Look what happened. Look at the result of the government's efforts to get people to buy houses regardless of whether or not they can afford them. And in fact, once, once housing prices really start to rise, I mean, housing, the housing demand wasn't even a function of you know, people wanting a place to live. They wanted to get rich. They created a get-rich-quick scheme in the real estate market. Right? It was always, you know, people would come to me because I've been renting my house for years, and they would say, well, why are you throwing away all that money? I said, we have been throwing away money. I need a place to live. You wouldn't say I was throwing away money on food or throwing away money on clothing. Why do you think I'm throwing away money on rent? Well, because you could be buying. You could be building equity. As if, you know, there was a guarantee. And I said, well, you know, I'll pay money in rent. I said, what about when you're paying money in taxes, in maintenance, in insurance, depreciation? I mean, there was a lot of costs associated with home ownership, but nobody cared. Also, the mortgage. You know? And you don't really own that property. Well, yes, I do. I've got it all paid off. Don't pay your property tax one time and see who owns the property. Just your property tax. Just don't pay it one time. And just let that go. Let that ride. See if you really own that property. We don't own anything on planet Earth, if you think about it. I mean, you know, if you died today, would you own anything on this Earth? You wouldn't even own your body anymore. So we really don't own anything. It's all temporary. It's all things that God has gifted to us that we are to be good stewards of in the time we're here on Earth. I think that's important to remember. We don't really own anything. Okay? Even our soul and spirit. You're either going to heaven or you're either going to hell when it's all over. You don't own your body. It goes back, you know, into the grave or, or whatever. Wherever, whatever way you want to go there. I don't agree with cremation. It's pagan. Okay? I'm not coming down on people that do that, but there's no Bible for cremation. And um, I could do a whole study on that as well. So, he brings up a lot of good points. Property taxes, upkeep, maintenance, homeowner's insurance. All of these are expenses that you um, don't have if you rent. 
mortgage, all the interest you're paying on the mortgage, the fact that you're in debt and you're, the borrower is slave to the lender. All of these things are factors. And the, and the fact that when, when the economy does collapse, your property is probably going to be worth next to nothing because nobody's going to be able to afford it other than the, the Chinese and the Arabs and, and everyone else coming in to probably buy up the property on pennies on the dollar. So these are things to think about. Because they didn't think there was a cost. They thought home ownership was free. In fact, they thought it was. They thought you got paid to own a house because it just kept going up. So, but the government created that demand. I mean, they might have started. So the government created that demand, and that's Peter Schiff, leading financial expert. He rents his own house. Okay, so um, that's coming from him. Um, anyway, that's what Peter Schiff says. Now, uh, let me look here. I am, I'm going to go ahead and stop because I'm, I'm out of time here on part one and we're going to go to part two, which is probably our, our last part. So God bless you and we will see you in part two. Scott Johnson's 800 plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24 seven on the internet at contendingfortruth.com that's c-o-n-t-e-n-d-i-n-g for f-o-r truth t-r-u-t-h dot com in addition we also offer a free christian current event and health email newsletter you can sign up at contendingfortruth.com these email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, box number 321, Hickory, North Carolina, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.